Freebooters Network. Hi, this is Devin Trey from the Freebooters Network. Today we bring you another episode of Exploding Dice Radio. We hope you enjoy the show. Exploding Dice Radio. Welcome to episode 14 of Exploding Dice Radio, the podcast about all things Firestorm Armada, Dystopian Age, and perhaps one day Uncharted Seas. My name is Andy, also known as Ruckdog on the forums, and now today I am being joined by Exploding Dice Radio host emeritus, Josh. Welcome back, Josh. It's good to be back. (laughs) (laughs) Well, it's good to be back uh, for me as well. It's been a long time since we've gotten our episode 13 posted. And so a lot of water has been under that old bridge, but and rather than try and bog everything down by talking about that little gap in detail, why don't we just sort of focus on, you know, maybe the last couple of weeks or so. How about that? Huh? <laughs> yeah, that yeah. sounds good. Yeah. So Josh, what you been up to lately? I, uh, well, I've been, uh, taking up the practice of, uh, watching a lot of TV during the pandemic. Don't really go places. Trying to concentrate on hobbying, painting and whatnot. Yep, yep. Um, and gearing up for the latest edition of Infinity, which is supposed to be coming out at the end of the month. So, N4, baby. Yeah, I was going to ask you about that if you were still playing Infinity. I know that was one of your uh, big games you were into uh, last we talked. Oh, yeah. Yeah, still doing Infinity. Although, haven't been able to really play anything, obviously, as of late. Because of all the shenanigans, but... <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, for me, I was deployed, so I was underway for the first half of 2020. I, I was watching the pandemic and everything else unfold from afar via the news feed. But now that I'm back, I've been trying to kind of get caught up and spend some quality time with the family. But I have been doing a little bit of hobbying here and there around the edges. I've been painting up a Covenant fleet. I've got a bunch of the first-run Covenant of Antarctica models, and I've been working on getting those finished up. It's been an interesting challenge. A friend of mine who was getting out of the hobby passed on his entire collection to me, basically. And he had partly painted uh, quite a bit of it. Some of it was just primed. Some of it was primed and base coated. There was only a handful of models that were fully completed, though. And so as sort of a thank you slash homage, I decided to try and paint the rest of the fleet the way he had painted those first couple of models he'd actually gotten finished. And so that's been what I've been working on off and on over the last couple of weeks. Made some progress. I've got one squadron of cruisers finished up, and I've got a couple more squadrons of mediums, some smalls, and a battleship and a carrier that are in various stages of being painted. So that's that's been my hobby project of late. Also been working it's always, on... It's always difficult duplicating a paint job. <laughs> it is, and I'm not trying to get too exact because, uh, you know, he did everything with his um, uh, standard brushes. Uh, for the, the basic three-color sort of fractal camel scheme uh, that he did. I'm, I'm actually masking and airbrushing that, and then I'm going to go back through and, you know, hand paint the decks and all of the shiny metal bits and all that sort of stuff, you know. But, uh, in addition to that, I've also been trying to get a little podcasting done. I've got an episode of Exploding Dice Radio here we're working on, and then 
earlier, uh, a week before last, I actually got an episode of my other show, Man Battle Stations, recorded with my co-host there, Greg. So that's that's been going again. So trying to slowly get back into the swing of things here with podcasting. <laughs> I say it's been a while. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Uh, so for anyway, Josh, for this episode, we've got a couple of things to talk about. Uh, we have, over the last few weeks, gotten some hits and tips about what's going on with Firestorm Armada and the new edition of that game and the upcoming open beta test. Uh, so we'll talk a little bit about that. And just today, uh, as of this recording, hot off the press, we have a blog post for Dystopian Wars to talk about, where there's been some interesting information dropped about the new two-player starter set, and also a preview of one of the plastic sprues that's going to be in that two-player starter set. In addition, uh, after we saw that blog post, uh, Josh and I were able to track down uh, Stuart from War Cradle on Facebook Messenger, and he was able to Drop a couple other little tidbits uh, that you'll maybe hear here first, which is exciting. So we'll get to those here in a couple of minutes. <laughs> Sound good to you, Josh? Sounds good. Yeah, yeah. So anyway, <laughs> why don't we go ahead and uh, get right to it. Uh, we will start off our discussion here with the Dystopian Wars announcement. So uh, this was War Cradle Studio Diary number 29 that went up on the uh, blog today. Uh, there was a slight hiccup with the, uh, the IT side on War Cradle's part where they posted the blog and then for some reason for a few minutes, uh, after it was posted, it wasn't available, but, uh, it's, it's back up. Uh, I was able to get to it just fine. Uh, so if you, uh, want a chance to go and read it in person, uh, feel free to go over to their website and do so. Uh, there was a few major points that were put out in the blog. So, uh, we'll go ahead and talk about those a couple here. So first of all, uh, Josh, plastics. Now, this is something that's been talked about quite a bit, but now we have a little more uh, detail on what those plastics are going to be, including, that, like I said, that picture of the sprue. Um, what are what are your thoughts? So, looking at the uh, the picture there of that sprue, is that uh, something that uh, you think looks good, or is that something that uh, you're not too hot on? No, I think it looks great. Um, I'm glad to see that War Cradle is actually going to plastic for uh, for their model lines. Um, you know, we're used to resin, you know, with the, the old Spartan models and whatnot. And they, uh, I think it's going to be, we're going to be able to have availability better, I think with plastic because they can make more of them more quickly and they're going to be more readily available. So, right. yeah. um, it, it looked good, you know, it looked real good. Um, sprue the way it was organized, you know, it looked pretty straightforward. It looked like he had a lot of options on it. So I'm looking forward to seeing it in person, honestly. Yeah, well, so, and we did get a couple of clarifications from Stuart via the, our little messenger back and forth. And just to be clear, uh, for those of you that have a chance to look at uh, the sprue yourself and play from home, uh, what you can make out of that is one medium-sized ship and then two small-sized ships. So basically one cruiser and two frigates uh, to uh, basically use the parlance there. And that is multiple different configurations for both of those ships. So it's not just one type of cruiser and, and one type of frigate. There's some mix-and-match capability going on that will allow you to customize your fleet a bit more. Uh, I will say that uh, just sort of looking over the sprue myself, one of the things I'm struck by is uh, it seems like they were fairly smart about where they put the seams for the models. 
know, it looks like the seams are going to be where there's a sort of like, a, well, I won't say natural, but already a panel line uh, in the model so that there won't be a very obvious seam along the side of the ship. It also looks like uh, they have kind of done some clever things with the uh, the weapons emplacements. So you know, everybody remembers from the uh, Spartan days how you had the various different drop-ons for like the American cruisers or that type of thing. Looks like they're definitely embracing that philosophy here with uh, various different turrets and what I assume to be are generators that can kind of fit into these various hard points that they've got built into the model. So that's that's interesting, I think. Um, yeah, I like the plastic just for the sheer fact they'll be easy to magnetize, too. Yep, easy to magnetize. Uh, they'll also be somewhat easier to probably customize and modify uh, to your own taste a little bit because you'll be able to get plastic bits from, you know, wherever. Uh, so, yeah, definitely, definitely. You know, there's uh, something else that uh, Stuart mentioned that I didn't quite see in the blog, so this is sort of a uh, interesting revelation. It was You mentioned resin earlier, uh, Josh, and it turns out that the, the battleship in the box for the Russians is also going to be resin. However, it's uh, going to be able to accept uh, various parts off of the plastic cruiser frigate sprue uh, so that means things like weapons and generators will be able to sort of socket into the, the resin hull that's going to be included in the box for the battleship. So that, that sounds interesting to me. What do you think of that, Josh? Um, I think it's a good move. Uh, you invest a lot of money in tooling, honestly, when you're doing a plastic uh, sprue or any model. Yeah. And it's easier to cast the bigger ships in resin and still maintain quality. So I think it's great. I love having a big hunk of resin on the table, (laughs) honestly. Well, what this immediately reminded me of is those of us out there that played Battlefleet Gothic will know that the Imperial and Chaos cruisers were plastic, and then the battleships for those two factions were metal. But you still had the ability to put various plastic... Uh, weapons emplacements from the cruiser sprues onto your battleship. So that's what I immediately thought of when we found out. I was like, oh, yeah, that's just like how they did it in Battlefleet Gothic. <laughs> yeah, yep. And, they, and I'm sure Games Workshop did it for the exact same reasons you just outlined. Um, you know, so it only makes uh, economic sense, I think. <laughs> yeah, yeah, because you're going to have a you're going to have a lot more cruisers and a fleet, so it makes sense to do something that's going to be more numerous in a uh, in a plastic. And then resin, anything else that's, you know, like a bigger, in this case, it's uh, what they call Class 3, you know, battleship. Right, right. Something like that, something big like that, it's going to be easier to do. Yes. And resin. All right, so obviously um, we're talking about a two-player starter set here, and this is something that they have discussed earlier, um, I think either earlier this year or late last year, where it's going to be a... Covenant and Russian starter set. And I'm sure that, you know, as a two player starter set, it's going to have the sort of the traditional stuff you expect here things like the rule book and the, the dice they're going to use, uh, any templates. Um, I think they said, yeah, right there in the blog, the Victory and Valor cards, which you can find still on the beta website uh, for the last version from the beta. They're going to have those cards that they're using in the game now included in the set. So it sounds like it's going to be um, a useful buy-in from that perspective because it's going to have all of the all the various bits and pieces you're going to need to play the new edition of the game on top of all of these uh, neat-looking models. So, <laughs> Yeah, it looked like it was going to be pretty complete. 
you yes. know. Yes. And of course, we only have a really good look at the the Russian side of the box here with this uh, sprue picture. But you know, and, and Josh, I'll be interested in your thoughts on this as well. It does seem to me that aesthetically. They're going to be a reasonably close match for the uh, old Spartan resin Russians. Uh, I think they'll these at least will max uh, mix and match fairly well. Uh, don't really have a, a good look at the Covenant yet, but uh, from the little bit of cover art they posted, it looks like it's going to be similar. You're going to have that whale launching ship that they've previewed in the past, plus uh, the cruisers, and it looks to me like the cruisers are going to be a, a pretty good fit at least on the Covenant side for the older ships. Yeah, I think the the aesthetic. For the different factions, I think they're kind of sticking to it, but adding their own flair to them. But, you know, you'll be able to, if you're an old school dystopian wars guy, you're going to be able to look at them and say, oh, hey, that's Russian or hey, that's Covenant. Yeah, you know? yeah. Well, you know, we, we've, we've seen various previews and concept arts and prototype models. And you know, we've, we've talked about in the past on the show how some of the different factions are matching a little more closely. It looks like the Prussians are going to take a bit more of a different direction than some of the other factions will, but you know, we still haven't seen the actual final version of those models yet, so we'll just have to wait and see, I suppose. Yeah, the, those are the ones I'm looking forward to. Yep. <laughs> now, uh, we were able to get a couple of details about the plans for release uh, for this uh, starter box set. Uh, we did find out that there will be a pre-order. Uh, for the new set, it's going to last for at least a month. So in other words, at least a month before the release, they're going to open up the pre-order. Uh, so obviously, we, we don't have that pre-order open yet. So we know it's going to be at least a month plus <laughs> before the, the set releases. But uh, the blog does mention sometime later this year. So we'll you know, probably expect like a fourth quarter release is what I'm thinking at this point. Yeah, I'm uh, thinking like it'll be a holiday, I bet. Yep, yep. Uh, no word yet on what the price for the starter kit will be. Uh, I think we can probably expect somewhere around a hundred ish dollars is sort of what I'm guessing. Uh, you know, give or take maybe about uh, 20 or 30 bucks. It's hard to say, uh, because, you know, there's going to be other factors that, uh, drive the, the economics as far as what else is included in the box, you know, but, uh, that, that seems to be sort of, uh, sort of the going rate for two player starter sets this time, this, you know, nowadays. <laughs> so. Yeah, um, yeah, yep. Uh, unless your Games Workshop, and then <laughs> God only knows. <laughs> yeah, well, well, Games Workshop is Games Workshop, so. Yeah. Um, I, I, I will say up front that price is probably the big reason why I didn't buy into Titanicus. So. <laughs> anyway, um, so one other thing we were able to find out about the uh, set here is that the sprues that were shown on the blog, even though they're going to be part of the starter set, they will eventually be available for separate purchase. So that uh, is good. So that means it'll be easier to expand uh, the fleets you get out of the box set. But I think it'll also mean that uh, if for some reason you don't want the entire starter set and you just want to start you know, a Russian or maybe a Covenant fleet, you'll be able to get those sprues separately. Uh, we don't have any details yet about how they'll be available. Uh, I My guess would they'll probably be included in some kind of uh, fleet box or something like that. I don't know. But, uh, yeah, yeah, so I'm, I'm personally uh, excited about that. <laughs> well, yeah, I mean, it makes sense. All the, in the past, anything I've seen, you know, you know, especially if it's a plastic from a starter set, if it's like a basic 
component, like either like soldier or ship or whatever, you know, where they're always usually available separately just to build on what you already have, do variants and all that other good stuff. Again, unless your games were shot. <laughs> unless your games were shot. <laughs> Anything else about the, the Dystopian Wars announcements uh, that you wanted to bring up there, Josh? Uh, no, I think we covered it pretty well. We didn't get a whole lot, but, you know, it's something, which is nice. Yeah, Stuart did mention that they're planning on doing a lot more in terms of blog posts and announcements over the next uh, uh, few months. He said they're trying to do some sort of some info dumps about weekly or so. So who knows? Maybe by the time you're listening to this, there'll be uh, all kinds of new information that we don't have yet. So, <laughs> But, uh, yeah, so it looks like, though, we're definitely moving towards uh, getting the new edition of Dystopian Wars out in the not too distant future, despite all of the uh, delays related to you know supply chain disruptions and office hours disruptions associated with the pandemic and all the like, we are finally starting to move past that. I think, fingers crossed. <laughs> we can only hope. Yep. <laughs> but anyway, uh, as more word comes out about dystopian wars and we find out more about releases and rules and, and faction information and the like. We'll definitely be continuing to cover that here on the show. So stay tuned for more information in future episodes. <laughs> All right. Well, Josh, if you don't have anything else for the dystopian wars part of this, uh, I think we'll uh, go ahead and take a little quick break here for our uh, network sponsor. And then uh, when we come back, we'll be talking about Firestorm Armada. Sounds good. Currently, humanity looks to the internet for its information. We have stood at the edge of despair and would have fallen. If not for awesome podcasts and their content of everything we love. Now these podcasts are all brought together in one place. Forged in like-mindedness, tempered with a community-oriented forum, covering all things geek, such as wargaming, board gaming, comics, movies, and more. Presenting a lineup of podcasts producing exclusive content for the fans. The Freebooters Network. Trolls want to steal our community. Let them try. All right, everybody, welcome back. As we mentioned in the first part of the episode, our second segment here is going to be devoted to what we know about the forthcoming Firestorm Armada beta for the new edition of Firestorm Armada. So, I'll say up front, uh, we have a lot of preview images and some background. We don't have a lot of details about the rules yet, uh, but uh, we will talk about what little we know. And, of course, this is something that's going to kind of develop as we move forward here, and we start getting more and more details about the rules and the actual beta itself. But uh, let's let's start with what we've seen so far. So, uh, the Black Ocean, the official Firestorm Armada community over on Facebook, has been uh, fairly active. War Cradle's been posting quite a few images there lately. Uh, so, so, Josh, why don't you talk a little bit about what we've seen over there so far, and then some of your thoughts on it. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So we've, we've gotten some uh, previews of some ships, and we've also gotten some previews of some of the races, like, you know, basically a uh, concept art for what, say, a, a Cerulean warrior looks like, that type of thing. Uh, so, so, Josh, what are your thoughts on the ship designs they've shown so far? 
Uh, well, they've uh, they haven't done any 3D renderings yet. Obviously, that's probably further down the road. But it's all concept art, and I'm liking what I'm seeing so far. Um, there's been some big departures in terms of aesthetic. Uh, in the case of a couple of the races, but I think it's part of the, like the evolution. Um, and then we have some designs that are, you know, pay homage to the old Spartan designs. I think the biggest, uh, uh, difference in like the way of the faction looks, the aesthetic is with the Vagrith. Um, the Vagrith are a concept art that they posted is a big departure from what the original ships look like. Cause the original ships are really big hunks of resin. Right. And they're real blocky. And I mean, I liked them, but the new ones, they look kind of, I don't know if like serene or they look very otherworldly, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. they're uh, a very nice departure. And I'm really looking forward to seeing like 3d renderings and like final final models which i know they said they're going to be doing plastics for the fsa stuff too so um the other one that's kind of a departure was the rothosa um they have more uh the design is not as you know flat because the rothosa ships in the spartan days were very flat Right, right you know they had very flat lines, you know, horizontal and vertical lines, and the new ships, look, I'm really excited to see what they do with these. Like, I'm really excited to see renders of the Rolthosa, because I'm a Rolthosa guy, so... Right, right. Um, the, uh... I like what they've been doing with the, uh, like, fluff, because besides just posting the images, they've been doing a lot of fluff. Um, backstory on the different races, the yeah, ship I mean, designs. A nice little bit of world-building, yeah. Yeah, and, you know, to be honest, we didn't get a lot of development on background a whole lot with uh, the Spartan days of Firestorm Armada. You know, we had what we had in the the Zenian League and the Karak Alliance books, and then what we had in the main rulebook, and then it was like there was nothing else. Yeah, you got a few tidbits in some of the Planetfall rulebooks, but again, it wasn't, yeah. it wasn't tons of detail. We, yeah. never, we never got things like the campaign guides, for example, that we got for Dystopian Wars. So. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And, uh, uh, you know, I'm liking what I'm seeing so far. Um, I like that they're actually fleshing out the races better. Even though the history has changed and stuff's getting retconned, I kind of figured that was going to happen. You know, right. you got to kind of keep an open mind when you have a new... Uh, a new owner for a property. Yeah. Well, you know, it's interesting that you bring that up, Josh, because, you know, on the dystopian war side, they merged it with wild west exodus, rebranded it to the dystopian age. And it, it's a little bit like how the star Wars extended universe got nixed and mm-hmm. Disney started doing their own, uh, sort of post original trilogy, star Wars thing. Uh, it's, it's almost like an alternate timeline or a parallel universe on the dystopian side. And the Firestorm side, uh, basically, they're keeping the same setting, but it's a there's a like a one or two hundred year time skip between the earlier editions of the game and the new edition they're doing. So, as you said, some of these designs they're showing look like evolutions of the older designs, and that makes sense considering that you know it's been 
a couple hundred years since we saw the sort of the state of the art <laughs> for the setting. Yeah. Um, yeah. But yeah, it makes sense to me that uh, there still is some lineage there. And it's also interesting to me about how they are breaking apart and recombining some of the power blocks inside of the uh, the universe. So, you know, we now have the, the Terran uh, directorate. And one of the things they showed was a explorer battleship that looks very, very similar to the old Terran uh, tyrant battleship. And so you see a very strong family resemblance there, much more than what you're, like you were saying with the Veridith or the, the Rolthosa. Uh, they've also shown uh, some of the Dendrenzi uh, designs they're working on. Again, uh, you see a strong family resemblance, although it's very clearly got some, uh, it looks more sophisticated. You know, it's got some uh, different lines to it. And it gives an overall impression that uh, this is, you know, definitely from the same civilization, but they've kicked things up a notch in terms of technology and design. So, <laughs> yeah, yeah. The, uh, I like the Dendrenzi designs. You know, it's a natural evolution. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, you know, it, because the models are going to be plastic and they're more, you know, they have more flexibility in what they can do in terms of, uh, like dimensions to them because you're limited what you can do with resin and still have it be uh strong you know right, right. without breaking you know case in point the old aquian dreadnought that looked beautiful but you were constantly breaking arms off of it <laughs> right right yeah the, the the hover squids that spartan did for the dystopian wars ground side for the uh, blazing sun have the same problem <laughs> yeah yep <laughs> One of the things that we've been seeing in the concept art is they're definitely planning on doing sort of hard points and swappable uh, weapons and placements. And again, we mentioned Battlefleet Gothic uh, in the first section and also how they're doing that with the plastic sprues and resin battleships for the starter set for Dystopian Wars. It looks like they're at least contemplating doing something similar for the the spaceships here. They've got specifically a, a preview of the uh, Terran Directorate which shows a uh, a flight deck, a graviton cannon, a plasma projector, and heavy gun batteries that all have like the same footprint, and presumably can be slotted into the same hard points on various Terran ships. So that means that there's going to be a fair degree of customization and variety too, which is always neat. Yeah, yeah, and we, with the combining of some of the factions, you know, because they've they've consolidated the factions where. Uh, I think it's kind of neat because now every faction doesn't necessarily have to be complete. Like with the Terran Directorate, you can probably still run like a Terran, a straight Terran fleet or a straight like old school Directorate fleet, like a Malcon Industries, uh, you know, Directorate fleet or Hawker or something like that. Well, they've also but been showing be designs for something called the Zinian Technologies Acquisition Fleet. So there's another one. Yeah. <laughs> yep. So you'll be able to mix and match, which uh, is kind of cool, you know. So uh, reduce reduction in factions, but, you know, you still have the everybody is kind of still there in some way, shape, or form, which is kind of nice. Um, I think the Terrans with the custom ability, you know, it sounds like they're all about custom ships. So I don't know if we'll see that with the other races, but... The uh, the Terrans definitely like because all those weapons were present on the different human factions like the Directorate and the Terran Alliance and whatnot. But 
It'll be interesting to see. I'd love to put plasma projectors and stuff on a Terran battleship. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that'd be fun. Um, so let's, let's talk briefly about some of the some of the creature features they've been given this year. Now, for example, uh, they talk about how the uh, the Cerulians are like three different subspecies. Um, what, what do you think of some of these, uh, uh, for lack of a better term, creature designs that they're showing? Uh, I like it. I mean, that harkens back the Cerulean's in the old fluff were three separate kind of three separate entities, but they tweaked it. You know, they're, uh, they're all kind of genetically engineered. So none of them are look like what an original Cerulean looked like, which is really cool because, you know, they've gone so far down the rabbit hole that they don't know what they used to look like. (laughs) Right. Right. Um, a couple of them surprised me. Like, uh, the Bakash one, uh, I was, uh, I pictured more of like a feline because that's how they were described. And like the design was completely, uh, completely alien. You know, you try to, I think we try to associate something in nature to like aliens and sci fi movies and stuff so you can kind of relate. And, you know, kind of maybe predict what their behaviors are yeah. based on what they're based on. But these designs are completely like they look like aliens. And you're like kind of like, oh, OK. <laughs> right. Well, that's what they look like. Yeah. It seems like they're sort of moving more towards the Star Wars Moss Eisley Cantina approach as opposed to the Star Trek, uh, you know, forehead alien of the wheat club type approach. So, <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> So yeah, no, I, I gotta say I, I'm happy to be seeing that type of art already. Uh, you know, it's hard to remember now, but for the most part, we didn't really get a look at what the you know, like what the basic members of the various species looked like under Spartan until we got all the way to the Firestorm Armada. Uh, actually, I'm sorry, Firestorm Planetfall release, and that was not until what 2014, 2015, 2014, I think. Yeah, um, you know, yeah, up, 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 up to that point, we had a few pictures of like humans in uniform. I think we had one picture of a Cerulean warrior, but we had no idea what the various other species looked like. And uh, getting a chance to see some concept art for that this early, I think, is a great piece of world building and uh, will really help folks uh, kind of wrap their minds around the setting a little more because uh, there's yeah. there, there's less um, sort of left up to the imagination, which is bad to a degree, but it's also good to a certain degree to at least have a little bit of direction so that you can kind of use that as a jumping off point <laughs> to build your own yeah. story for your yeah. fleet, you know. Yeah. Um, I think actually seeing that detailed concept art too, it kind of it gets a little tingle that maybe they're planning on doing something uh, for f- like in the Firestorm universe that is you know, like Planetfall. Yes, yes. You know, like a ground combat. doesn't necessarily have to be Planetfall, because, you know, obviously, War Cradle, they, uh, you know, their original pilot game was Wild West Exodus, which is, uh, I don't know if it's 28 millimeter. It might be 32. Yeah, it's, it's, it's right around there. It's, it's roughly that size uh, skirmish game. Yeah, because I some of these concept pictures of the races, like, oh, man, that would look great as, like, uh, a 28 mil or a 32 mil model. Yeah. yeah. You know, that look awesome. So I think it's, it's fleshing out the, the universe and it's kind of opening up 
possibilities, you know, a firestorm takes off, which I'm hoping it does again. I think we all you are know. hoping that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Um, then we have, you know, more possibilities down the road, you know, but I think war care cradles being very careful and they're, they're listening to the fans from what I can see. They've actually like done updated designs. Yeah. They've released a design. Uh, they got feedback about it and they re-released it and it was changed, you know? So it's just like, I like that kind of feed, you know, they're listening to feedback, which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and so let's then talk a little bit about what we know as far as the beta goes, the timing of that and the rules. Um, we were able to get from Stuart that they're not looking to do start the open beta for Firestorm this month. So it's going to be at least next month before we see that uh, sometime September or later. I'm not saying it's going to be September, but no, it's not going to be in August. <laughs> um, the one tidbit that we know for sure is that they're moving from a square-shaped base to a hexagonal-shaped base uh, with the flat part of the hexagon facing forwards. And one of the reasons why they're doing that, apparently, is they are now going to be using six different um, firing arcs. So you've got the, you know, the forward, aft, and then you've also got the port and starboard arcs, but then you've got sort of the in-between arcs where the, basically the, the side arcs are getting split into like a forward port and an aft port and a forward starboard and an aft starboard. So that should be interesting. Uh, that suggests that uh, there's going to be a little more, I'm not sure what's going to be granularity or a little more finer subdivision of where your weapons and placements are on the ship. Uh, but uh, it definitely sounds like they're moving towards having uh, more firing arcs. Still no word yet whether they're going to be changing any of the um, movement rules to also take advantage of the hex bases or not. But that I think that's definitely a possibility given that we're using a different shape base now. I don't know. What do you think, Josh? Yeah. <laughs> well, they, I've actually have read some comments. Uh, Stuart from Orc Cradle has answered some questions on it and uh, on the Black Ocean. And movement-wise, it sounds like that each squadron is going to be called a helix and that movement you're moving an initial ship like a lead ship you're moving it and then all the other ships move to be in base contact with it which is why they're doing one of the main reasons they're doing the hex bases is because of the way movement works ah. and the way like you don't it sounds like you don't have a squadron coherency anymore you know where they have to be within like four inches of each other it sounds like they're all in base contact mm, interesting which also says to me that there may or may not be area effect in the game because obviously if you have uh, everything that's always bunched up area effect weapons like mines the way mines used to work in the old game would be very devastating <laughs> The squadrons. Yes, I mean, it was, it was already pretty rough. Um, oh, yeah. Especially yeah, for things like uh, frigates. Yeah, so. Oh, yeah, and there was already, you know, there was already, like, conceptual issues with having mines in deep space. Like, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So it's, uh, you know, you can kind of, based on the tidbits they drop, you can almost infer, you know, I know it's theory crafting, but it sounds like you can infer of, you know, some different aspects of what the gameplay is going to be like. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm kind of interested in what the firing arcs, how they're going to work with six different firing arcs. 
that one's still kind of I'm trying to wrap my brain around. Yeah, well, I mean, it's it's going to be tough to say for sure until we actually get our hands on the beta. And, of course, we did see with the Dystopian Wars beta that they did make some significant changes based on feedback over the course of that open beta. Uh, so it's um, reasonable to assume that uh, if we dig into it and we find out something about the firing arts doesn't work, that uh, they'll be amenable to making modifications. Just, uh, you know, one of those things we're going to have to wait and see. <laughs> yeah. I think there's one aspect going back to dystopian wars for a quick second that I'm, I'm kind of figuring it's probably going to happen to firestorm, but I'm hoping it doesn't, uh, reading the beta rules on dystopian wars. It looks like they're going to be using what I like to call trash dice. It's not a standard D six. It's something with symbols and whatnot, kind of like what you use for like X wing or the old, old halo, like the halo fleet battles. And uh, Halo Ground Command, it uses the same die. But it looks like they're using trash dice with Dystopian Wars. And I'm worried that that's going to happen with Firestorm. I think that's more of a worry based on, like, me being an old, you know, old guard from Spartan days. Right, right. But, you know, it... I've played games like that. Like, obviously, I played Halo Fleet Battles and stuff, and it really wasn't a big, you know, once I played it, I'm like, okay, I can, <laughs> I can, uh, I can be okay with this. It's just, it sounds like the dice pools might be getting in the sizes that they used to be for, like, weapons fire. Mm-hmm. So I'm just wondering, like, okay, you know, if they have a two player starter, how many of these dice are they gonna include? include? Yeah. And obviously they'll probably sell them. I'm like, okay, how big is the pack going to be? And like, how many of these suckers am I going to need? Right. You know, right. it's something to think about on uh, that. Well, you know, I, I will say that with the Dystopian Wars beta, um, I, I played probably a half a dozen different games with the various versions of the beta. And what I found is that the standard D6s can be used with it. There's just a small conversion table. And after yeah. a, a few rounds, it's not even that hard to convert. It's pretty easy to remember, you know, because it's just six different things, basically. Um, yeah. And, and, and there's actually two different sets of special dice coming into Dystopian Wars. One is the dice you actually roll, and then the other one is, they're essentially, if you remember from Battlefleet Gothic and Epic, those little green and black special order dice they had, where they, they yeah. weren't really rolled, they were just used as an indicator uh, or a token. Yeah. Uh, that sounds like uh, that's the way it works in the bay for Dystopian uh, Wars, you've got a set of those dice to indicate critical hit type stuff. Um, See, that's good. I'm okay with yeah, that. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So, so I, you know, like like you, I'm going to withhold judgment. It's possible that they are going to have those special dice, but it might also be possible, like with the Dystopian Wars beta, where there's a little conversion chart, and you can just use your standard D6s, and it's really not that hard to figure out what's what. Um, yeah. So. I mean, it's, it's going to be a learning curve, obviously, but... Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I've never, maybe it's just the grognard in me that I've never been a fan of <laughs> dice like that. Yeah. It's like, yeah. Well, it's just, it's just one more thing to keep track of, right? You know, cause you have to, yeah. you have to make sure you keep all those dice together and keep them separate from the rest of your dice and, you know, keep them where you know you can get to them to play that one specific game. Yeah. yeah I, I, I hear you. I understand. Um, but it will be interesting to see though, how close the new, version of Firestorm turns out to be compared to the Stopian Wars because, you know, under the Spartan days, they had a very uh, uh, similar engine between the two different games. Now, there's tons and tons of differences in details in the rules, but the overall basics of the rules were the same. 
uh, in terms of the the activation sequence and the exploding dice mechanic and link fire and all that sort of stuff. They're they're all pretty much the same across uh, you know Firestorm on Dystopian Wars in the old days. So I'm curious to see how much similarity there is between the Excuse me, the new release of Dystopian Wars and uh, the upcoming Firestorm Armada uh, beta. Uh, yeah. The fact that they're going with hex bases leads me to believe it's going to be a bit... There's going to be more daylight between the two games than we're used to, but uh, again, we'll just have to wait and see. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, the old game, you know, the old Dystopian Wars, old Dystopian Wars and Firestorm, they were, you know, you essentially had one designer, you know, uh, working... On stuff, you know, Firestorm when 2.0 came out, they had a uh, a designer who uh, then went on to do other things, and then another designer came in, and he was passionate about Dystopian Wars. Yeah, um, that was Derek. Yeah, he was very passionate about Dystopian Wars, but he also was in charge of Firestorm Armada. So 2.0 was awesome, and obviously, I was heavily involved in doing uh, basically like Derek's version of 3.0. So, and you saw elements, he used elements from dystopian wars, you know, what worked, what didn't, right, stuff right. like that. So I'm kind of, you know, War Cradle's not a real tiny company, so and I know they have, uh, at least it's been stated in the past, if I remember correctly, which correct me if I'm wrong, um, that they have separate development teams for each game. Yes. So, um, it, I see certain design elements with the dystopian wars, like the unit cards and stuff. I see design elements that are similar to like Wild West Exodus. So I think we're going to probably see, uh, you know, design cues that kind of carry through everything, but rules wise, I think you're right. I think we're going to see a lot more daylight between, you know, like shared, shared rules and whatnot. Cause I know they're trying to make a, uh, it sounds like to me, they're trying to make a more realistic spaceship game. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, if such a thing is possible on a, you know, <laughs> on, a, on a tabletop, you know, right, there's been right. lots of attempts with varying degrees of success. So, <laughs> yep. Well, you know, uh, I'm keeping my fingers crossed that uh, we get to that beta for Firestorm sooner rather than later, and uh, we can start digging through it. Um, looking forward to also maybe trying to get up and running on some sort of internet-based uh, gaming solution, whether it be like Tabletop Simulator or Vassal or something like that, to uh, do some testing with it. <laughs> yeah, as you I, mentioned, one of the guys, one of my guys here. Actually, he's poised to get the beta rules for Firestorm to make a vassal module. So. <laughs> oh yeah, I'll, I'll be over all over that if you uh, want to try and get that working. Uh, do some testing with it later because uh, yeah, like you said, it's tough to get face to face gaming going in our, our current environment. So <laughs> oh yeah, definitely. <laughs> all right. Okay, well, I think that about wraps it up for what we had to talk about for now with Firestorm. Uh, Josh, you have anything else to add before we uh, sort of close it out here? No, nope, just looking forward to getting my hands on that beta. <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. It's going to be a fun time. It's going to be a fun time. Uh, so, Josh, if uh, anybody's interested in what you're up to nowadays, where can they find you? Uh, well, they can find me. My blog is active again. That'd be The Waygate, uh, com. I'll be writing my musings and whatnot on various games uh, on there. 
probably twice a month. So, um, and we also have a Waygate Facebook group, um, which you can find it just the Waygate, um, where I post uh, updates. You know, so you know that there's a new post up on the blog. Well, great. And then, of course, for me, uh, you know, we have the Exploding Dice Radio Facebook page. Uh, that's facebook.com slash EDR podcast. Uh, you can also email us at EDR podcast at gmail.com. And then you can also find me over at Man Battle Stations, either on the blog or on the forums there, or also on the main Man Battle Stations uh, Facebook page. We have one of those as well. All right, then. Uh, that's about it for episode 14. Uh, we hope to see you all back for episode 15 in about a month or so here. And uh, until next time, this is Ruck Dog saying good luck and good hunting. This is Josh, a.k.a. CRK, saying, as always, remember Dreamhouse. The music featured in this podcast is from the World of Warships soundtrack and is provided courtesy of the Wargaming Group Limited.